Hallelujah. Somebody glad they came to church today? Man, it's good to be here, isn't it? Yeah, you were singing, this is a move, and, you know, I'm thinking about how much God's moving in our church and in your lives, and, you know, even in this service, as you just reach out to God and worship Him, and how God's allowed to move before the preacher preaches, you know, that the lead pastor can go away for four weeks I didn't preach and God still moves because it's not about a man it's not about a woman it's about the son amen and um, I just love that I get to preach still you know and you know I'm uh, you know I'm not worthy to carry his shoes but he gives me the privilege of preaching his word and isn't that cool God just does good things in our lives when we open up our lives and submit to Him. Amen. And <coughs> excuse me. It's been a great weekend so far. Incredible weekend so far. What God is doing. Man. And hello to all our other campuses. Man, if God's moving like He is here, I know God's moving where you are. It's just what God is doing. And it's been a great weekend. And probably seen. I uh, know, 30 to 50, somewhere in there. Yes, people filled with the Spirit this weekend in our church services. Love what God's doing. If you're new here, or if you've been new in the last four weeks, you may not even know who the heck I am. Um, I'm, I'm Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you're here. We've been on vacation in Arizona. Um, usually I glow in the dark, but um, after being in Arizona few shades darker so that's been good never really understood white people who are racist towards black and brown people because um, I feel like we spend most of our lives trying to look like them so I don't fully get that but <laughs> you know it's true right so we all trying to get a few shades darker for our whole lives so. but um, yeah I've been on vacation down there getting a tan um, I knew what I was going to preach on today I've known that for a couple of weeks and in fact, I've got like so many sermons on my heart for the next number of weeks that I, I don't even know um, which ones I'm going to do. You know, I, I told you what I was going to do. And then I went on vacation. I said, now we're going to do this. And, and now I'm wondering what we're going to do. I've got so many sermons. But I knew that this week I'm going to speak on the Holy Spirit and on speaking in tongues. And I've had the, um, the, the, the sermon points in my phone for a number of weeks now. And um, but I didn't have a sermon title, and if there is one thing that can stop God from moving, it's a bad sermon title. So that was stressful. <laughs> but um, So anyway, I, I knew what I was preaching on, and some friends sent me this picture from their phones. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a sticker on the back of some Iowans vehicle, and um, <clears throat> I saw it, and I'm like, that right there is a sermon title that God can move with. And uh, I'm, I'm kidding about that, just FYI. But, but, but I did see it, and I thought, this is great. And the, the bumper sticker said, you can't overdose on the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, that right there is my sermon title. So church, today I want to talk to you about the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And I've done a lot of sermons <clears throat> on... Um, you know, that have talked about the Holy Spirit and your need for the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, different sermons of mine have had speaking in tongues as a sub point, a moment 
couple of minutes, maybe a minute in a, in a sermon here and there. Um, but I have never in my life until this weekend preached an entire message on, uh, on, on tongues. And I'm going to do that for you today. Uh, I believe this message is going to change your life uh, and give you so much strength in your relationship with God, your faith and your ability to witness um, that this will be a pivotal moment in your life and our church. So, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 1 to 4 is where we're going. So if you can open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Um, I'm just really excited about this message. I'm, uh, you know, we're a church. We want, you, you, you want to be in a church that preaches the whole gospel, you know, the whole truth. But, you know, we preach things here that aren't popular with the world. Um, but I'm not going to just preach things that, 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 that you like either or that you're comfortable with. I want to preach the whole word of God. Amen. The whole thing so that we can live uh, our lives uh, in an effort to line our lives up with God's words. Uh, Acts chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, uh, other translations translate that to say when it had finally arrived. Um, and the, the reason it says finally arrived is because Jesus said earlier that this is going to happen. Okay. So when the day of Pentecost had finally arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues like fire appeared and rested on each and every one of them. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If today you would like to receive a word from God, um, I'd love it if you'd lift your hand up. I want to pray for us all together as we reach out in faith to God because what we don't want is just to come to church and have our uh, preconceived ideas and notions affirmed. Uh, what we want to do is open up our hearts and our minds to uh, the Word of God that, that we would be transformed by the Word of God. Amen. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that, um, that we're not alone, that you didn't send your Son to die pay the price, justice for our sins, uh, and then leave us alone. But you left your Holy Spirit, Lord God, so that we could be empowered uh, to live the life that you designed for us, that your Holy Spirit could transform our lives and renew our minds, Lord God. And so I thank you that we're not alone. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that we don't have to navigate this world without hope, without power, without direction. And today I ask you to help me to, to preach your word with power, with conviction and with clarity in a way that more and more people, more and more believers would be filled with your Holy Ghost and power and speak in tongues and live their lives in a way that even more honors and glorifies you. In the name of your mighty son, Jesus Christ, amen. <clears throat> amen, amen. Can we give God one more shout of praise? Come on, God, you're good. We're here for you. You are the one. It is your way, not our way, Lord God, that we want in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. This scripture is, um, it was receiving the promise that Jesus made. Jesus said that, you, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. That word power is, it actually means dunamis. You would have heard this in many, many churches before. That when the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will receive dunamis, dynamite, dynamic power in your life, right? It says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were in one place and then suddenly, suddenly, 
There came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and tongues of fire appeared and rested on each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This must have been nuts, right? It must have been nuts in that room, right? But the the early church experiences were just so messy, weren't they? Right? Like it wasn't all clean and sanitized like it is today. But these days we can tend to... We can tend to have such an overwhelming desire to sanitize the church, right? To sanitize salvation, even salvation, and uh, it, it can be a bit, you know, messy, right? You know, like we've sanitized it to something that the world finds palatable, where it's like, well, you're living your life like this, you get saved, and you keep living your life like that. But no, it's not like that, it's messy. You're living your life like this, you get saved, and God says, now go that way. And your life is transformed, right? But we can tend to sanitize it. And we can also tend to sanitize the Holy Spirit for our modern world so that our services and our experiences and the way that we live our lives is more acceptable in the world. And I'm telling you, it's time we get back to when things were a little bit messy. Come on now, right? Now, by the way, I know it's a little dark out there. I saw someone trying to read their Bible. We had an issue with our lighting system and they're working on it. And at some point in the service, you're going to be like, it's going to be like, Aziz, lights. And all of a sudden you'll be able to see. That's uh, from the fifth element, if you don't know what I just did then. So anyway, now I'm not saying that we all ought to get crazy, that we all ought to you know, have complete disregard for order, planning, and good leadership. In fact, Paul the Apostle warns us um, that we need to keep church in order, that things need to not get out of hand. And I'll speak about that a little later on in my message. Um, but things weren't so sanitized back then, were they? Right? Like, like early church and the time of Christ and the time of the apostles, you know, people would want to come to church and some peanut at the door says, can't sit here, church is full. And, and so they, they climb up on the roof and they, they dig a hole in the roof so that their friend can, can get down there. So everybody's in church and, and then they're, they're being taught and then there's, there's like dust falling from the ceiling and then, then a body gets dropped to the floor and Jesus heals them, right? right? Like, like, like if you're going to block someone from coming into church, then we deserve to get vandalized up on the roof, right? Like in the early church, that'd be like, that'd be like one of our yellow shirted people standing at the door out there and we're full in here. So the yellow shirts are like, no, we're full. We can't take any more people. Get out. We can't fit you in here. And so then that person says, but I really need an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so they get up on our roof and they get their angle grinder and they're sparks are flying and then they drop a body down here and we're all like, what are you doing, Vandala? No, no, no. If we close the door, if we block it if we tell someone can't sit here sorry we've met the fire code limit of the building then you deserve to get vandalized because you shouldn't stop people coming to church amen i don't care about the fire code we will stack them and pack them and rack them up in here so that everybody can get a dose of the holy ghost amen i said that online didn't i just now it was messy wasn't it in the early church, right? People were speaking in tongues. Come on now. <clears throat> sometimes church went sometimes church went over time in the Bible. I know, what? Sometimes people had appointments to go to lunch. But Bible church went over time. 
I know, shock horror. <laughs> it was messy up in there. I, I, I apologize when we go five minutes over time. And some people are like, ain't ever gone back there. Church didn't fit in my nice little box, right? Imagine not going back to a church because they went a little over time. That person doesn't want a relationship with God. That person wants God to fit into their lifestyle. Sometimes church went so long in the Bible that a dude sitting on a window ledge on a second or third story of a home fell asleep and fell out and died. Don't you complain about my boring messages until I bore someone to death up in here. All right, I have never done that yet. No one has died at Eternity Church yet. Come on now, right? They raised him up, it's all good. But we gotta get back to desiring to live a life that's different and more powerful than the world. Instead of trying to fit in their, their little sanitized box. <clears throat> when I was young, church was crazy. All right, maybe too crazy, honestly, sometimes. I don't know if they read Paul talking about order in the church and good leadership or not but but man church was crazy when I was in church right when I was we'd be praying for people there'd be a preacher up here there'd be people up the altar call we'd be praying and then the holy the, the, the sorry the preacher would be like in the name of Jesus fire and then it'd be like dominoes at the front row like, and everybody starts falling over down the front and then what we then they're laying down now they're standing up they're fine but they're laying down like this and all of a sudden someone come and drop a, a square cloth on them because apparently, apparently it's not modest to be laying on the ground. We need a modesty cloth. Who, who, who had modesty cloths in their church in the 90s, right? Because apparently this, this, this dress code is fine. But apparently this, this is not fine. And so, so laying down, it's apparently a sexual. We got to cover that all up, right? Like it was crazy up in there. And then somebody be laying down there and they'd start laughing like, ha, 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 ha. Then somebody else over here, yelling out in tongues. The preacher's still trying to preach. Someone over here's yelling out, should I bought a Honda, but I bought a Mitsubishi. And then we're just like, yo, Paul said to use English in church or, or to use the language of the people in church. And someone else over here's gonna interpret that. And they're like, what he's saying is that he, he, he wanted to buy a Honda, but he bought a Mitsubishi. And, and that's in, and the preacher's still up here trying to say, and my peace I leave unto you. We got should have bought a Honda. He said he should have bought a Honda. It's going nuts. And in the middle of that, someone just gets up and goes, wee! And just goes for a run around the building while the preacher's still trying to preach up in here. And nobody knows what's going on. And at that moment, you're about four minutes into the sermon. <laughs> it was nuts. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about in here? Right? Hands up if you've been in church where somebody's like, I got to run. Right? Sorry, that was not, I got the runs, but I got to run. <laughs> One guy give the same word every week in church. Yea, verily the Lord would say unto you, I am well pleased, but I'd have you go further. We're like, bro, we know, because you said that last week and the week before and the week before. You said it so many times. We haven't even just memorized the words. We've memorized your voice. We can say it in your voice, bro. 
I'm not mocking it, but I did begin to wonder. Was it God? Or were the Holy Spirit using the... Sorry, were the people using the Holy Spirit as an excuse to act like crazy people? I don't know. Some of them were probably sincerely moved by God because I think if you're living a life without hope and your life is crazy and messy and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and fills your heart with hope, you might begin to laugh again because you haven't laughed in years. You know what I'm saying? I imagine it was real. But I think perhaps some people needed to hear from Paul the Apostle about his instructions about spiritual gifts and order in the church. Because you definitely weren't supposed to have seven people all at once speaking in tongues over the top of the pastor's sermon. In fact, Paul says you may receive the gift in church, but its best use is personal. But because of what I saw growing up, I... um, I ran from anything Pentecostal. Ran far away. And because of that, I missed out on that dunamis power in my life and in the lives of those around me. I still spoke in tongues a little bit. I knew it was real. I knew what happened to me. I knew I felt. I knew what I felt. And I knew what God did in my heart. But I never would preach on it. For many years, I would never equip the saints with this great, powerful, life-changing gift. I'd never pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I never let anyone know that I was one of those tongue talkers. I never let anyone hear it. And so because of my response to what I saw growing up, and because of my rigid need for order and control, the saints, the youth, the church, the kids, everybody, went unequipped, living without a gift that edifies their souls and a gift that's so especially needed in these dark days. Because I thought the people that had too much of the Holy Ghost... So I thought it was, well, there's too much Holy Spirit. Little did I know you can't overdose on the Holy Ghost. In fact, Peter had a similar experience with someone like me who came up to him and said, yo, Peter, these people are acting drunk. And Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose, they're just very filled with the Holy Ghost. You know the song? This is that, spoken by the prophet Joel, this is that. Fell on the day of Pentecost. Do you know this song? Come on, does anybody know this song? Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose. They're just very, very filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Come on. It's a good song. It's a good song. And uh, so before I I talk about the power of of tongues in your life, what I want to do first is smash three misconceptions about speaking in tongues, Okay. Okay, can we do that? And then I'm going to give you six reasons why you should speak in tongues, all right? And so that's a nine-point sermon today. And I just want to put this out there. I am yet to not land the plane on time today, but who cares if I don't, okay? Let's do a Holy Spirit sermon, but it has to finish on time. It's a weird sentence, isn't it? All right, misconception number one. Speaking in tongues died with the apostles. Hands up if you've heard that one before, right? That speaking in tongues died with the apostles. That is secessionist theology. Um, What that means is it ceased. Secessionist theology. They believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit died with those who received the Holy Spirit uh, on on that day and in that time. And when they died, it was done, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never ends as for prophecies. They will pass away as for tongues. They will cease as for knowledge. It will pass away. What they don't do is read the rest of the sentence. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
So people who believe that tongues and other gifts uh, of the Spirit are done, they believe that these gifts died with the apostles uh, and they base their entire argument on a portion of this scripture. See, so, so they say, well, well, we'll pass away. And then what they do is they randomly assign a date to that, all right? So they randomly go, well, <clears throat> the gifts will pass away, so let's just roll with, well, when those people passed away, right? But scripture doesn't say that anywhere at all, nowhere at all. So, um, but this is a very flawed understanding of a scripture that is actually really clear. The, the, the issue is people tend to want to be sanitized and they want to be clean. And we do have a general desire for order. And so what we do is we, we try to sanitize this scripture and say, and so all this messy stuff passed away with the apostles. Now we can have churches very ordered and very, very led, right? But see, the thing is, it also says knowledge will pass away right? But, but, but they're still passing knowledge on in those churches. They, they, they haven't acted like, well, we should stop preaching and teaching and giving people knowledge. We should, we should stop uh, passing knowledge down to the generation. We should close our seminaries. No, quite the opposite. They've put a very high focus on knowledge and, and, and have just assumed that the Holy Spirit and His gifts have passed away. They're still passing on the knowledge, but it says knowledge will pass away as well. So either way you slice it, it's still being gathered, increasing, and it's still happening. They've still got seminaries, and they still think of knowledge as a good and noble pursuit in their lives. It also says, but here's the, here's the main reason why that theology is flawed. It tells us when. It actually tells us when these things will cease. It says, when the perfect comes. And look around. Come on, have a little look around. Ain't happened. Come on. The perfect hasn't come yet. When Jesus Christ returns and when we are gathered up with him in eternity, we won't need tongues because our soul won't need edifying because we're in heaven. We're in the presence of God. Come on now. When, when we're in heaven, when we're gathered up with him in the clouds, we won't need to prophesy hope and life into each other's lives because we will be with the one who created life. Amen. We won't need to learn more knowledge because when we're gathered up with Christ, we are with the one who created all things and knows all things and knowledge will have reached its pinnacle. So the partial will give way to the complete. We won't need signs and wonders because the ultimate wonder, the perfect one, has arrived. Jesus has not yet come back. So all the gifts of the Spirit are still being given to believers for the edification of the church, the edification of the individual, and the advancement of God's kingdom until the trumpet sounds. <clears throat> Can I get an amen? amen? Are you ready for misconception number two? Speaking in tongues is for weirdos. Now, most of the people in this room are spirit-filled. Or at least half. <coughs> Excuse me. I was in Arizona. My voice was fine. I come back here and I got a, a, a lungs full of pollen and all of a sudden it's all back again. So, so just bear with me today. I've got to readjust. But misconception number two, speaking in tongues is for weirdos. Most of the people in this room, or at least half of them are spirit-filled. We've discovered that over the last two services. And uh, most of them are not weird. But some of you are for sure weird. <laughs> like for sure. And uh, if you're wondering if I'm talking about you, yeah, for sure. You know, it's you. Some of you are weird. But let me share something with you about my weird and spirit-filled friends in the room. They were weird before they got spirit-filled. Being spirit-filled did not make them weird, all right? 
and, 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 and if I could go a little further, they were weird before they got saved. Getting saved didn't make them weird. If you met someone who's totally crazy before they meet Christ, Jesus is not going to save them from their weirdness. It does not say, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him will stop being weird. It doesn't say that at all. But we'll have eternal life. Amen. It is not his goal to make you less weird. It is not his goal to save you from the world's judging eyes. It is not his goal to make you more normal or more palatable to the world. And the Holy Spirit did not come to set you free from the world's ridicule. In fact, having the Holy Spirit in your life, being saved in general, opens up your life to much more ridicule from the world. They will call you this. They will call you that. They will call you all sorts. They will mock you. They will scorn at us. And the Holy Spirit did not come to set us free from that. He did not come to set us free from being weird. He came to empower us to live the life that Christ is calling us toward. Amen? That's why he came. Plus, I'd rather be spirit-filled and labeled weird than normal in this upside-down clown world that we live in right now. Right? Right? Come on now. If chicks dressing like dudes, growing beards and calling themselves pregnant men isn't weird to the world, then, then speaking in tongues ain't even close to weird, all right? If the world thinks that dudes can become women and women can become men and kids becoming fox is normal uh, and putting kitty litter in school bars, if that's normal, then call me a weirdo. I want to be weird in a world that thinks that's normal, in a world that thinks that's healthy, in a world that thinks that's good. I want to be a weirdo. Come on now, right? Ready for misconception number three? Number three? All right, speaking in tongues is actually just other earthly languages. Who's heard that one before? Yeah? Have you heard that one before? Yeah, come on, give me a wave. I'm trying to see. Yeah, yeah, cool. You have heard this? Just want to make sure that this is actually going to help someone here, all right? Um, Speaking in tongues is actually just other earthly languages. Now, I ain't going to stay here for very long, but it is a common misconception that I want to get out of the way before moving on to the six reasons why you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, okay? Again, I've never had a whole sermon on this, so this is really fun. So, On the occasion that people heard believers speaking their own language in Scripture, it speaks about their hearing more than the believers speaking. Now, what does that mean? It's more about God opening the hearer's ears than the language with which the Spirit-filled believer was speaking. But even having said that, if they were speaking in some missional language, when Paul and all the apostles speak of tongues, they often speak of the various kinds of tongues. Okay? This could mean that there, was a, that there is a gift from God where God will give someone a supernatural ability to speak a different earthly language than, than that which they are familiar with, uh, with the goal of communicating the gospel to another people group who have not heard it before. Absolutely. Uh, while also the gift of tongues as well is a direct communication gift between you and God. As when when in Mark, Jesus uh, speaks about tongues, he speaks of a gift that is new to earth language, not an ability to speak an existing earthly language. It doesn't speak the word new there, um, talking about something that is new to me, but new to 
earth is the, the language that he uses there. And so, um, so we do see examples of people speaking an earthly language or being heard and understood in an earthly language. Um, but Paul and the apostles' comments on various kinds of tongues seems to allow for this incredible missional possibility. However, most of Paul's and most of the apostles' writings are about the gift of tongues that is given after being spirit-filled that is between you and God, Okay. And today, that is the gift that I want to talk about, that gift of tongues between you and God and why you should speak in tongues, all right? So you ready for my six points? All right, main point number one, speaking in tongues edifies and strengthens your soul. Speaking in tongues edifies and strengthens your soul, okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, okay? It strengthens you, it strengthens your faith, it edifies you. Now, this edification is speaking of a building up and making strong, but not as, the, 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 not as like, um, right now I'm building this, this wall, but, but more specifically, like I'm putting this brick in the wall and that brick is helping build the wall, okay? What it's talking about is like an, like an eating, like a feeding, okay? So I am being fed, my wall is being built up as I am feeding my soul, okay? And so speaking in tongues is like feeding your soul. In a world of chaos and division, a world where your soul can begin to feel grieved by what's going on around you. Speaking in tongues will strengthen your soul so that what's going on around us will not get inside us. Just before this, Paul says, I wish you would all speak in tongues. His prophecy comments were about being in church. The only reason he said, I would rather you prophesy just after this in this passage. The only reason he said, I would rather you prophesy is because he didn't want to everyone creating confusion in the church, all right? He's saying, in church, let's not have the seven different people over the top of each other speaking in tongues in the language that is between you and God and edifies your soul and no one understands. Instead, let's bring life-giving words directly to the people in a language they understand. <clears throat> but he did say, I wish you would all speak in tongues. It is a gift that can feed your soul. So it's never tempted to feed on the division and the bitterness and the evil things that are in the world around us, amen? Your soul can be edified with the things of God. It's like when you go to the grocery store and when you, when you head in there and you, you're rolling into high V and, 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 and you're starving hungry, when you go there, you end up leaving with a cart full of Twinkies, right? And you leave with all sorts of garbage and things because everything looks delicious when you're hungry, does it not, right? And so what he's saying is we can edify our souls. We can feed our souls so when we go into the world, we don't leave with spiritual Twinkies. Instead, we go into the appointment. We go into the meeting. We go into the temptation. We go into the environment that we're going into with a soul that has been edified and filled up so that we don't uh, receive the garbage from, from the environment, but instead we could overflow with the power and the Spirit of God and change the environment around us. Amen. Number two, when you speak in tongues, you speak and pray the will of God. Romans 8, 27. We're going to go to 26 in a moment. And he who searches, <coughs> excuse me, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When talking about tongues, Paul said, uh, the Spirit, this is what he's doing. He's talking about tongues here. The Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. When you pray in tongues, you're only ever going to pray 
for that which lines up with the will of God on earth and in your life. You ever heard the thing, I don't know what God's will is? Speak in tongues. I don't know what to pray. Speak in tongues, right? You ever heard people say that? I don't know what God's will is, you know? Have you ever felt like there's something going on in you or around you or inside you, but you don't know what it is and you don't know how to pray about it because you don't know what's going on? You can pray for it when you speak in tongues. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. There's something in my heart. I don't even know what the will of God is in this, but I can speak in tongues. It goes on in Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for when we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Reinforcing what I said before, when you don't know what to pray, you can speak in tongues. Point three, though, speaking in tongues will help you overcome personal weakness. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you're just overcome by your own weakness and you have no words, how did I mess up this bad? I can't believe I screwed up this bad. I can't believe I messed up my life. My old senior pastor, anytime he uh, went to counsel someone after they'd been caught in adultery or something like that, and you know, they, they're usually just lost for words. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. I can't believe that, A, I can't believe I did this, or I can't believe I got caught now. I've ruined everything, yada, 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 and I'm repentant. By the way, the whole, did they, did they repent or get caught? Those are not mutually exclusive, and we need to stop acting like that. They're only repentant because they got caught. Well, maybe the getting caught was what led them to repentance, and it can still be sincere repentance, all right? Let's not be the people that judge people's hearts based on what order something happened in in their lives, all right? <clears throat> but what my pastor would do is he would then say, because they didn't have words, they're like, oh, and you know, he goes, let's just speak in tongues together, and they were. <clears throat> they didn't know what to say. Their, their own weakness had, had taken all their words away, but, but they would speak in tongues, and they would begin to be edified and begin to heal in that moment. I also think that in that, those moments of weaknesses, I think it's a good idea when you're being tempted to start speaking in tongues. When you start feeling weak, you're being tempted by something that's not good for you, something that you know is going to cause damage in your life, and, 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 and then start speaking in tongues. I believe with all my heart that, before, that, that during every temptation, before every moment of sin, that there is what I like to call 10 seconds of clarity. I find that when I'm going to do something that's wrong or I'm tempted to do something that's wrong, there's always this moment, I want it, 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 I want it. Ooh, I better not do it. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's always that moment, there's like 10 seconds of clarity before every moment or or in every temptation where you're like, there is a moment. Now, in that moment, we got to choose what are we going to do? Are we going to run? Are we going to flee from temptation? Like scripture commands us, there's a couple of ways to flee. I've talked about it before. You can literally run out of the room. Another way to flee is start speaking in tongues, all right? I don't know that anyone has ever typed the words pornhub.com into their computer while speaking in tongues. Hello, right? So you're getting tempted, start speaking in tongues, amen? And pray the Holy Spirit, I believe, will help you in that moment of weakness in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what temptations you face, but I do know that speaking in tongues will help you get through it. Number four, speaking in tongues builds your faith, okay? I I, I personally can't think of any, but I'm sure that someone exists somewhere and you could potentially come and go, well, pastor, I know someone. Cool. Like, I can't think of anyone and most of us will have a hard time thinking of someone. I don't know of many tongue-talking ex-Christians. 
And right now you're thinking that and you're realizing, I can't think of many either. Right? They're the most committed, least likely to backslide Christians on the planet. That's not just my anecdotal observation. That's actually research. Barna Group shows us that Pentecostal kids are the least likely to backslide in college. So that's good. Your kids have got a good shot at it. Amen. Did you know that the Pentecostal denominations are the fastest growing denominations in the United States? Everybody's want to talk about how the church is in decline, churches are decline. Well, it's not true for Pentecostal denominations. They're growing. Because there's power. There's power to have a changed life. Did you know that people who speak in tongues in general at any age of their lives are the most likely to stand firm in the truth these days? And when the world says there's 75 genders, sorry, that was last month. When the world says there's 750 genders, when the world says, did you know that it's Pentecostal Christians who are the most likely to be like, y'all can believe that, but the, the, the truth of it is God made the men and women and you don't need to change that. God loves you right now. You don't need to pursue all this other stuff. You can, you can be released from it. You know, it's Pentecostal people that stand firm in that kind of truth. In the stuff that the world wants to shove down your throat, it's Pentecostal believers that are the most likely to stand up and be like, no, that's not right. This is the truth. That's not just an anecdotal observation. That's Barna Group research. Did you know that? Because speaking in tongues builds in the believer a strong and firm faith. Jude 1, 17 and 21. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you that there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Speaking in tongues will build your faith and make you amongst the strongest, most least likely to backslide Christians on planet Earth, including your kids. Amen? <clears throat> I've given you four good reasons already why you should speak in tongues. You ready for some more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on now. I know some of y'all in here are like, this is uncomfortable, but he is reading the Bible to me. So, all right. Number five. And this one's a doozy. Speaking in tongues is a command in the Bible. Everybody loves a good armor of God sermon, don't they? Right? If you grew up in the 90s at the same time we all running around doing laps around a building, we're also putting on the whole armor of God in our songs, right? Y'all remember that, right? Everybody loves it, you know? Like, you know, having done all you can to stand, stand firm, therefore. Fasten the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ready your feet with the shoes of the gospel of peace. Take up your shield of faith. Grab the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And pray in the spirit at all times. Ephesians 6.18. If you want to stand firm, pray in the spirit. If you, uh, if you want to uh, honor the command of God to wear the full armor of God, the full armor of God, then you need to pray in the spirit. Can somebody say Amen. I got one more for you. Man, I told you that I have been landing this plane, but we have been. Now, I'm not counting the like altar time at the end that's been going for 15 minutes overtime every so. I'm not counting that as me. I'm like, that's like God. <laughs> but I have been doing my part on time. Number six, are y'all ready for it? Praying in tongues is speaking directly to God. First Corinthians 14 verse 
2. This passage has been phenomenal for us. It's, a, uh, it's not a passage about why not to speak in tongues. It's a passage about the incredible power that tongues brings to you personally, but then also Paul being Paul uh, about how in church prophecy is better than speaking life, encouragement into other people's lives speaking the word of God over people's lives, uh, speaking life and the word of God and all of that. And, uh, but man, it's got some great teaching and theology on tongues, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians 14, 2, 4, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Just more evidence of this whole, it's not just about this language that I speak that other people understand. The one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. When you speak in tongues, you're speaking directly to God, and the devil can't hear you. And no one who might be snooping at the door to your office or your room or your car can understand it. It's just you and God, you know? It's a great moment where it's just you and it's God. A lot of things we do in our lives are you, me, and God. You know, we're going to worship and stuff. You, me, and God, worshiping together in one accord. Also another Honda in the scriptures, right? That was funny, but you don't know. Some things are about me, God, and the world. But when I'm speaking in tongues, it's not about impressing anyone with eloquent words. It's not about anything but my spirit communicating with God in ways that I don't understand. But it is edifying my soul. It is strengthening my faith. It is empowering me to overcome my sin and my weakness. It is getting me through my temptation. It's an act of obedience to God. And any time that I obey God, God honors me and my life. It is lining my life up with the Word of God. It is lining my heart and my desires up with the will of God. It's not cool. It's not eloquent. I'm not trying to have you be like, oh, wow, that dude's tongue sounds awesome. It's not about that. It's, it, 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 it is just about living a powerful and, and life-changing life. And, and you should speak in tongues. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you need to speak in tongues. So another day we'll talk again about tongues and church services and prophecy and all that stuff. But today I want to encourage you that the gift of tongues is what you need, especially in your personal life in these crazy times. And a few weeks ago, a few weeks before we went on vacation, I was um, walking around outside our home with my son Judah. And um, what we like to do some nights is just take our shoes off and, uh, and our socks off and just wander in the grass, let the grass go between our toes, you know what I mean? Like uh, something for me peaceful about, I'm, I'm an outdoors guy, so there's something peaceful about just walking around in bare feet in the grass. And um, um, I don't know if it's because I'm Australian or not, but I just, it's just, I like it. And so we usually do that and we'll pray together or uh, we'll just talk about um, some scripture or the word of God or, uh, you know, what God's doing or whatever else. And this particular night we were praying together. We're in between uh, our house and the neighbor's house. And then um, Judah just starts speaking in tongues. And I'm like, now the right thing to do is just to keep praying and not stop this moment that's going on there. Um, but instead, I was like, hey, are you speaking in tongues? And I think I even said it like that. Um, and, 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 and he's like, yeah. I was like, oh, when did that happen? And he goes, oh, just a few weeks ago. I was, so apparently it had been a few weeks before that. And he goes, oh, was a few weeks ago I was praying and I wanted to speak in tongues. And so I was praying and, and then I just, it just started, it just happened. And, and I was like, oh, this must be tongues. And so he kept doing it. And I was like, huh, wow. 
Can I tell you though, what I liked about the 13 year old is he didn't care if he sounded like a weirdo next to his dad in between two houses with the neighbors on the back deck. And um, I, I can't remember what he sounded like, but it wasn't cool, wasn't eloquent, but it was powerful. And I've actually seen his faith get a little stronger since then. So today, I've presented to you six reasons why you should speak in tongues and dealt with three misconceptions about tongues and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to take a moment now and I want to give people an opportunity to receive the gift of tongues in their lives too. And uh, if you're new here, we don't normally do this. So if it's weird, well, number one, we don't care. And number two, it doesn't happen every week. But if it did, so be it. Um, would you all stand up with me, but let's not all run out the door. Because um, we have a little machine, actually, that, um, that records who leaves, and it automatically deducts another 2% on top of your tithes as you walk out the door before <laughs> closing time. And you know, Some people say that that's abusive, and we say it's teaching people a lesson, so whatever. <laughs> I'm totally kidding if you're new. That was a joke. It's not a cult. I'm just messing with you. But... Um, I don't want you to leave this place wanting the gift and not having an opportunity to receive the gift. Um, we've had so many people just come down the front for prayer this weekend. What I want to do is I just want to show you something real quick, though. Check this out. Uh, hands up if you already are spirit-filled and you speak in tongues. Show, show the people in the room that there's a bunch of us everywhere in the room, right? Okay. <clears throat> All right. You can put your hands down. There's a lot of shorter hands, like people who are vertically challenged up the back there that put their hands up as well. And um, I'm one of those people. But um, I, um, this is actually, this is cool because this is probably a lower number than in the other services. All right? So I'm excited to see what God does here. In the other services, we've had so many people respond. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down the front to the other people and receive the Holy Spirit and God willing, the gift of tongues as well. Um, if you, um, but so, but, but first what I'm going to do, I just want to spend three minutes and talk to people who are away from Christ in every service this weekend as well. People have given their lives to Christ and I love that because they, they, you know, they'd like to tell us that if you speak in tongues, you're going to scare people away and they won't give their lives to Christ. But we've had people give their lives to Christ in every single service. So the word of God changes lives. The word of God changes lives. Amen. And so uh, if you're here and you, um, and you don't know Jesus, you need to give him your life. Okay. Uh, he died on the cross for your sins. And the reason that that had to happen is because it's justice, all right? Uh, justice needs to happen. When wrong happens, it needs to be righted, right? Just like when you're in your car and someone, you know, you walk up to your car and you notice somebody has taken a key and down the side of your car, the thing you think is, number one, who the heck did that? Number two, someone's got to pay, all right? Because you're like, I shouldn't have to pay. I didn't do that. But someone's got to pay for the wrong and the injustice that was done to me. And sin is the same. The, the reason that you are like that is because you were created in the image of God. And God is a God of justice, okay? So when God sees something wrong happen, somebody's got to pay. It's got to be made right. It's who He is. He doesn't change. He can't not be that. So someone's got to pay for the sin. So rather than you paying the price for scratching His car, what He did is He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, 
Christ to die on a cross because someone had to pay. So Jesus paid the price for your sins. Justice has now been served. The wrath of God, the anger that God had over the wrong in our lives has now been satisfied on the cross. And so now you have an opportunity to come into a relationship with God without that sin being in between you and God. And so right now, what he wants to do, all you've got to do according to the word of God is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved, okay? So I want you to do that with me today. I'm going to pray a prayer one line at a time and I want you to repeat it back to me. Everybody's going to pray in this whole room so you won't be alone. But I want you to pray that with me and just believe in your heart as you pray and you'll be saved. And then you can start living the incredibly blessed life that God calls you toward. You can, you can even pursue things like getting filled with the Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues, living a life of strength and wholeness and healing. You can get set free from your past, your mistakes, your shame, and have God set you up. God who designed you and designed your life help you live the life the way it's meant to be lived. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.